0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, the Unhinged Sports Network exclusive home for Hockey Talk, which you can now catch a week after the initial premiere on our new Unhinged Sports Network exclusive show's Anchor Feed, which will be starting to be distributed around. But that's not why we're here. We're here to talk some hockey. And we have another returning face. We had Griffin on last week with myself. And this week, we brought back Will Hatzel from the Beyond the Press Box podcast here on the Unhinged Sports Network. And he also hosts Windy City Sports Podcast because he is a huge diehard Chicago area fan, I'll say, because it's not just the Bears, not just the Blackhawks. It's all of Chicago. Uh, Are you a Cubs or a White Sox guy?
1: Uh, you know what? I'm actually when it comes to baseball, I'm neutral and I, I claim that I could get away with it because uh in when I rank my favorite sports, baseball is like fourth. So I think since I'm kind of a more relaxed fan, I think I could get away with that. But I'm really just Chicago blooded, you know. I'm through and through with all the different teams and, and all the different leagues, so I know someone out there is probably gonna be mad when they hear that and say, pick a damn side, but Uh, with a as long as they're a Chicago team, I'm usually pretty game for uh, rooting for them.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you for coming back on. And uh, we we really enjoyed having you when we had a full group. And now that it's just going to be the two of us, we're kind of just going to see where the conversation takes us. Obviously going to talk a lot of hockey, but there's another big sporting event that's actually going to be taking place, I believe, before the NHL playoffs even start. And uh, we're we're big football guys. That's uh, I, I listen to Beyond the Press Box a lot. And I uh, I kind of got into it a little bit with Cody around the college football playoffs. But I, I know that you're a big football fan, um, and I know that as a Bears fan, you you were probably disappointed at the beginning of the off season. As the off has unfolded, you're probably a little bit less disappointed. You're welcome for Andy Dalton. We gifted him to you through the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but yeah. I, I say that because the initial thoughts about the Andy Dalton signing was, why didn't we sign Watson? Why didn't we sign Watson? Well, now with everything else coming out about Deshaun Watson, it might have not been a bad thing to go conservative and draft or excuse me, sign Andy Dalton. But uh, what were your initial thoughts, I guess, when, when that move happened? And do you kind of have a little bit of, you look back on it now and go, well, it might not be the best, but at least we dodged whatever bullet is going on in Houston with Deshaun Watson and that whole fiasco.
1: You know, I I obviously am disappointed that the Bears, you know, it still lingers, you know, the fact that they decided to draft Trubisky over, or, over Watson, and even though – Uh, Houston's really been firm on on keeping him now we'll you know we'll have to see what's happening with the lawsuits and whatnot if that changes anything else but I mean really the the, what we thought was going to happen was going to be you know getting Russell Wilson you know he all these rumors were circulating and supposedly intensifying that uh, Seattle was going to trade him and it turns out they didn't and you know the I and I promised myself I wasn't going to get hyped up and and jump on the hype train and and I ended up doing it and I was really thinking like oh maybe they're going to go for Wilson you know the rumors of the Bears sending some trade uh, having some negotiations and sending a a trade deal out there to Seattle and ultimately Seattle said no Um, and and, and that and that was very disappointing I mean the fact that Wilson labeled the Bears on his list one of four teams he would have been interested in getting traded to that's what perked my ears that made me all excited and um the fact that they didn't get them you know we, we've been you know when I say I'm a Bears fan I am a suffering Bears fan you know it hasn't been the worst but it hasn't been the greatest at times and not having a quarterback in my lifetime has been disappointing so yeah Chicago and Chicagoland all the fans everybody was really disappointed with how things panned out I I'm disappointed, but I don't, I feel like I've been one of the uh, lesser harsh fans when it comes to really being mad at the bears for picking Andy Dalton, because, you know, they're after not being able to trade for Wilson, how many other options were out there? I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick maybe would have been kind of exciting to get, you know, maybe some Fitz magic in the windy city would have been pretty cool, but the, the bears kind of had their hands tied. There really wasn't much to go with. I I'm okay with the signing because I I honestly don't want to see Nick Foles be the starting quarterback. The guy was like tied to a a tree. Like he couldn't move last year. He had a horrible throwing motion. I mean, his mechanics were off. I mean, I was shocked with how bad Nick Foles was. So Andy Dalton, I'm a little bit worried only because in Dallas, it seemed like, I I don't know how you have CD lamb, Mari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Um, Michael Gallup I mean they they had a a loaded offense and I was just kind of surprised that they couldn't get a little bit more out of Andy there in in Dallas just because I mean he's you know you know him better than me but I always figure I always thought of him as a an average but solid quarterback at times so uh, will he be a good stopgap for now fill you know fill in the gap for maybe one year I'm okay with that I think that just goes to show you again what they think of Nick Foles and that they're probably not going to go with him if they're going to go and sign another veteran so I expect them to draft somebody but yeah, I I guess I could live with Andy Dalton but yeah I'd I'd be lying if I said I, I wasn't disappointed that you know, the Bears still don't have a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson type of quarterback.
0: Yeah, the Bears, I, I we give uh, Zach a lot of crap. Kyleman from the Gridiron Gallery podcast, also on the, Beyond the Press Box with you guys, uh, when we were on Cover 6, which is the NFL uh, Unhinged Sports Network exclusive show. Uh, we either always have to bring up Jay Cutler, or we have to mention the fact that the Bears probably haven't had, I mean, Jim, Jim McMahon held down the position for a while, but they haven't had a real quarterback since probably then and uh now with the season expanding that's going to be the meme for the next few years is that chicago was the only franchise without a quarterback to throw for four thousand yards in the 16 game season era so uh obviously there's a lot of things but you're right you could you could have done way worse than andy dalton i will say that for the years that he was here it was disappointing because we'd always lose in the first round but at least you had a first round playoff game that you can get a little bit excited for um and it'll be interesting to see how he fits in there. I totally 100% agree with you on Nick Foles. I have no idea what cliff he fell off of, but that's not the Nick Foles who captured whatever magic he had in Philadelphia and became Super Bowl Super Bowl MVP. It's very, it seemed a lot similar to Joe Flacco after his Super Bowl MVP for performance, where he just he was never a mobile guy to begin with, and he got slower somehow. And defenses with the speed everybody has and, and edge rushing. Uh, especially in the NFC North, I mean that's one of the tougher defensive divisions, anyways. So uh, you're right. The Bears could have done a lot worse. But uh, before we get to the Bears and what I what your dream draft would be, real quick, San Francisco made a hell of a trade going all the way up to three. Um, and the, the general consensus is that it's going to be Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two, or you know maybe the Jaguars fall for the smokescreen, draft Zach Wilson one, Trevor Lawrence will go two. Uh, but what quarterback do you think San Francisco moved up for? Because initially I said on the far end of the bench that I thought it was going to be Trey Lance uh, because the athleticism he could bring to that Kyle Shanahan West coast style offense. I, I really wanted to see, Um, or maybe Justin Fields, if you wanted to go with the bigger school guy, what quarterback do you think the 49ers moved up to three to get in your opinion?
1: Uh, I think it's Justin Fields I would be shocked to see Justin Fields or Mac Jones essentially get picked over Justin Fields at this point um Fields is one of the more accurate quarterbacks in this draft that nobody really tends to talk about I'm still I I was awestruck when He came out after getting injured, coming back onto the field against Clemson and putting on on a show and and being a warrior and and battling through injuries. Because that's another thing that I think a hidden trait of of Fields that nobody really appreciates about him is the guy could battle. He's tough. He's got a lot of toughness. He could battle through being injured and getting banged up. They're coming off of Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think missed you know, at least 50 to 60% of the games during his tenure, you know, in San Francisco. So, you know, obviously you want your main guy, your one single quarterback to be able to play in most of the games. Now we know it's football, it's tough to not get injured, but I just like all the intangibles of a quarterback like Justin Fields. It's the same reason why I liked a couple of years ago Deshaun Watson, you know, why I wanted when the bears were in the running for a quarterback is go for a guy that, was able to do it all and be accomplished in at the college level. I I, I mean, the guy, you know, playing on one of the best teams in the country, you know, some experience with, I know they didn't win the, you know, the, the college football championship, but to be there, to be in that game, to, you know, beat a couple of impress I'm a Northwestern football fan when it comes to college football. So uh, them dismantling my Northwestern defense in the, in the big 10 conference game. I mean, Justin Fields shows up in, in big games when they matter. And I think there's a good chance that Justin Fields will pan out better than Mac Jones. You know, we talk about how Sam Darnold just got traded from the jets to Carolina. Everybody's been debating was it the Jets fault or did it was Sam Darnold overrated When when I look at Sam Darnold I think he's overrated a little bit when I look at Justin Fields I think he's underrated I think uh he may not be as flashy or played for an as flashy team as you know Trevor Lawrence with Clemson uh you know Zach Wilson had a, a fantastic year his his final year at BYU but I I think justin fields is probably the more solid athlete and because sometimes i wonder with mac jones is mac jones the product of just a really good of a a really good program that had again look at how many receivers on that team are you know going to get drafted in the draft this year so Um, i'm going to go with justin fields but it's probably going to be close
0: yeah i mean mac jones is going to emerge as the front runner but we said it on our show this past week. If you draft Matt Jones at that position and you'd want so badly to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and move on. If you draft Mac Jones, you're drafting Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0, pretty much very similar playing style. Um, very smart. I'll, I'll give him that. He was able to pick up the offense. And uh, he, that I, when I'm looking at college players, especially the quarterback position, he lasted all five years at Alabama played all the way through and uh, Even though he wasn't a starter up until the last half of last season after Tua got hurt and then this 2020 season, that shows a leadership quality, but his play just doesn't stand up to his leadership quality. I I don't see an upside to where he can be that good. Uh, Fields definitely has an upside. I'm a very outspoken anti-Ohio State fan, and I've never really been a Justin Fields guy going back to when he was on QB1 on Netflix, but he's... There's no denying that he's a talented, talented quarterback, and he's probably going to go somewhere and outperform all the expectations that that they're, they're putting on him now. So uh, that wouldn't be, that would be an interesting choice. I really, I do think that Trey Lance would be my choice if I was San Francisco, but I'm not Kyle Shanahan, I'm not John Lynch. So those guys get paid a lot more money than I do to make the decisions they're going to make, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, now let's switch a little bit to your Chicago Bears before we get into hockey. I know t- people tuned in for Hockey Talk, but it's an NFL draft. It's almost a national holiday, right up there with the, the Super Bowl. <clears throat> the Chicago Bears drafting number 20, backed into the number 20 position by accidentally winning a few games down the stretch and getting to 8-8 eight and eight and getting the first seven seed in the NFC playoffs. Uh, Mel Kiper in his most recent mock draft has them taking Tevin Jenkins, which is an offensive tackle from Oklahoma state. Uh, probably could use some offensive line help, but in your dream scenario at number 20, who would you like the Chicago bears to draft that you think will still be around there by that time?
1: Well, if you want to hear my true dream scenario, it's really them being aggressive and trading up again. Now, you're not i know the top, the first three picks of the draft are going to be untouchable you know obviously with jacksonville and and new york uh the jets specifically and and the 49ers i mean it's it's going to be Lawrence Wilson and then either jones or fields going i really would love to see Ryan Pace GM for the bears make a, an aggressive move and and trade up to number 4 atlanta's rumored to be shopping that pick i would love to move up and essentially pick whoever the 49ers don't pick if it's justin fields okay i'm okay with mac jones if it's mac jones then okay I, i'm fine with taking justin fields um I, you know i i have a love hate relationship with trey lance because again i just feel like i'd rather take a proven guy that's played for a more proven program that's kind of been in the bigger games has played against the bigger teams and the bigger uh the bigger d- defenses per se so uh I, I look at trey lance and i kind of wonder if he's more of a guy that's a project that you can't get out there right away and that's not saying that justin fields is going to start right away or mac jones is going to start right right away again it's an intriguing situation in chicago but if my big bold move would be to to trade up and obviously they would have to probably include the 20th pick in a trade to move up which would be okay now in regards to saying if they stay at 20, which again, is probably more likely, you know, if I had the, you know, the odds of them making a big, bold move, maybe As actually Matt Nagy was, there was a picture of him at Justin Fields his pro day. So, you know, and, and that's always a, a Ryan pace thing to do. He usually typically makes one aggressive move uh, per offseason. We've seen some nice ones like going and and draft or trading for Cleo Mack, but um, I really, I, it's kind of been tough for me, man, because I would, I don't have a problem with a guy like Tevin Jenkins or going for any offensive lineman. I'd really love to see the bears get a wide receiver though. There's uh Rashad Bateman has somebody that from Minnesota that's been mentioned. Uh, he's a guy that's got similar characteristics as Allen Robinson, a guy that can maybe f- find, uh, you know, get some chemistry going with, you know, Andy Dalton, I I'd really love any AJ Green ass guy, because if you're talking about the days, the, the, the key to having success with Andy Dalton, I think it's getting a, a, a big wide receiver that can go up and get it. And Allen Robinson could do that. But given the uncertainty with his future, again, he's on the franchise tag for whatever reason, the bears just don't want to give this guy money and a bigger contract when he's the one and only star player on the offense beyond me you kind of have to think of maybe having to replace him so i personally would rather see them go for a, a wide receiver I, I you know they're unfortunately going to miss out on some of the best ones so i don't know if i have necessarily a dream player to pick at 20 my, my dream would be to move up in the draft and again get to that fourth spot and try to get um a quarterback you know i i would prefer justin fields but i could really live with Mac Jones or Trey Lance but I I really want to move up in the draft and get one of those three guys who are more than likely going to be available at number 4 but if not I I think I want to go with wide receiver first because the offensive line they're only replacing one guy and it's Bobby Massey who they who the veteran that they they cut and they let go at the end of the season so if you're just looking to draft one Offensive lineman, I think you could afford to wait until the second or third round for that. The Bears need playmakers on offense, and what better way to get a playmaker than is to get one of the guys early on that is more than likely guaranteed to make some kind of a, you know, an impact on your team. So wide receiver or trade up for a quarterback?
0: That's interesting that you bring up the the offensive line or wide receiver skill position debate, because honestly, that's a lot of what's going on with my team as well at number five with I am very outspoken. I want Penny Sewell, but I listened to one of the Bengals podcasts that I have in my rotation and he made it, I made a pretty damn good argument for Jamar chase. Um, but the good part about this draft is basically those are the two deepest positions that you can get quality players. in at least the first three rounds, um, it's just kind of, uh, it almost seems, especially for the bear situation, if you have a wide receiver, that's rated higher than the best offensive lineman that you have left on the board, that would be the, the route that you go. You basically get to pick the best player at a position of need. Um, my Our situation is just a little bit different because Jamar Chase is probably gonna end up being a generational receiver. I think he's gonna match or maybe exceed what Justin Jefferson did in his rookie season. But Penny Sewell would be that tackle that could protect Joe Burrow for the next 10 years. So it's always kind of up to that philosophy, whatever you decide is, is more likely. Um, but yeah, I think the Bears, I didn't really think of them as contenders to trade all the way up to four, but they probably could um, and see what they can do that way. So it'll be interesting. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, uh, for all of that I've heard from Bears fans, and I listened to part of my take with Big Cat, who's a big Bears fan too, and he's like, I'm going to talk myself into it, but I really hate them all the way up until I finally talk, myso- talk myself back into Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy know what they're doing. It's, it's a love hate relationship that Chicago has with their own team.
1: Agreed. I'm, I'm right there with them. And I, I, let me just say this real quick because I try to remind people on the other podcasts I do that the bears technically have the capital to make a move to get up. But the problem is this is the first time in two years, they have a first round draft pick because they gave up so much draft capital to acquire, you know, uh, Khalil Mack. So, but and so ideally maybe it doesn't sound good to go ahead and be reckless and trade picks again but again if you are determined to get a generational quarterback or a generational wide receiver Kyle Pitts I mean Kyle Pitts would be available at four I mean you you they have the the capital to make the move so
0: yeah uh, that's we'll transition now to hockey talk but real quick before that let let the listeners know where they can listen to uh, more more of your takes on beyond the press box and then the windy city windy city sports report
1: yeah so beyond the press box you can listen to debut episodes at 11 a.m eastern time on wednesdays of course we're on at different times as well uh, if you have a favorite uh, podcasting platform to listen to podcasts uh, like on anchor.fm or apple google podcasts, spotify Breaker, Overcast we're on those apps as well. And that's where you could find my uh, long suffering <laughs> sports podcast, sp- Chicago Sports Podcast, Windy City Sports Talk. Same thing, anchor.fm, Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker. Uh, I just run that solo, but I have my buddy Zach Kyleman on sometimes from uh, Beyond the Press Box too, or, or also, you know, I, I've had David Kaplan on some other. Uh, uh, major Chicago media people before so I try to make some connections and get some other people on too so you'll be able to hear a lot of different sides and point of views when it comes to uh, Windy City Sports. So Windy City Sports Talk can be on the press box if you want to listen to me and uh, my other co-hosts at Kyleman Yashpadi and and Cody Emerson you know feel free to uh, check out our content there as well.
0: Definitely I I listen to a lot of it because you guys lead right into our show on Wednesdays so I enjoy you guys got a cool dynamic. i I had uh, you guys remind me a lot of the radio show I used to do in college with a lot of my buddies that we we would get like two days a week and just go in for an hour and talk as much sports as we could fit in for that hour. Um, you guys have that same kind of feel. You can tell that you were all because uh, you guys were all ball state. Uh, that's where you guys met at, at ball we state. all
1: we we all did radio together too. Um, and that's what our radio show was called beyond the press box. so we' we thought, uh, we would, you know, bring it back when we decided to stay connected with each other and and start up, you know, with the podcasting. So it's kind of cool, yeah. It's like this uh, long running connection with each other that's evolved from a radio show in college to podcasting and and what we're doing with the awesome network at on Un- you know at Unhinge, So
0: definitely, uh, UnhingedSN.airtime.pro dot airtime. dot pro is where you can find those premiere episodes of Beyond the Press Box and uh, the far end of the bench. If you guys were wondering. Uh, if you are listening to this on demand after the it was released on the unhinged sports network because now we have to take into effect that I, I used to not have to plug any of that stuff but now since we're expanding as a network I got to keep that in mind all right I think we've let we've kept people waiting around long enough let's go ahead let's start talking about some hockey um, and first uh, we, we might as well just do Uh, trade deadline stuff first, because that passed on this past Monday. And when I had Griffin on with myself last week, uh, we talked a lot about what we thought would happen a big, you know, there wasn't a huge splash move like we saw in the NBA trade deadline. Nobody really expected one of those, but there were a few moves that were pretty big Uh, just so that we don't start with my team and the avalanche. uh, I'll let you actually, this one I didn't even realize happened until Monday, but Taylor Hall, and I believe he made his Boston Bruins debut last night or maybe it was tonight, but Taylor Hall was traded from Buffalo. He got out of purgatory and then he gets to go join, uh, Marchand and all those guys up in Boston in the, in the garden. And he gets to be a Bruin for the rest of the season. what do you think of this move when it first happened? Um, and, and what do you think this will do for Taylor Hall and the Bruins moving forward?
1: I think the Bruins win this trade, not just, I know it seems obvious that, well, you know, they got a, a player that, you know, and Taylor, Hall, we know he's better than what he did in Buffalo. I think he was just the product of that entire culture and that with that organization. And last time I was on this podcast, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about just how, how bad of an organization Buffalo is right now. Um, I, I didn't really think they had to give up much, Boston. That is to get him, and that's why another reason why Buffalo is is a bunch of losers right now because they there was no draft there no trade value for him because he played so poorly. But with Boston, this is a low risk move in my opinion. Not just because you didn't really give too too much up to get him, but you already have so much talent on this team. You know, with Marchand and and Bergeron and Pasternak. Hall doesn't need to come in here and and play like a you know be this the best or second best player on the team. He just needs to fit in, etch a rollout out, and kind of go with the flow and and just get back to playing winning hockey on a winning organization. And and that's what Boston is right now. So I think it's a good move, and it, and it's going to be ideal for him. He's already said that he would wouldn't even have a, an issue with spending a few years in Boston. So plus, if he want if he pans out this season and in the postseason and you're interested in re-signing him and he already has the interest. I mean, boom, you're winning. There's so many little victories in here with this trade. Um, Cause I forgot that Boston apparently was one of his suitors in free agency before the season. Cause I, I always was shocked that he went to Buffalo to begin with like why, <laughs> but no, I think it's a great trade for Boston and, and it, it potentially makes them better. I sound a little bit hesitant there because yeah, we need to see just how much can he produce offensively because we know he's a good player, but uh, he really didn't produce a whole lot offensively in Buffalo. So I think he's in an ideal situation though, to just slowly regain his form and his confidence. And I, you know, I I think he's going to score more than two goals while being with Boston rather than what he was like in Buffalo. So I think it was a solid move and I expect Taylor Hall to, Maybe at least be a little bit better than what he was in Buffalo,
0: yeah, this the rest of this season's basically gonna be a courting period for both bruins and and Taylor Hall. uh one thing that really yeah, I was a big proponent. I wanted Taylor Hall to come to Colorado in free agency. I thought that you know, getting to watch him play against the Avalanche in the first round of the playoffs last year, I really liked what I saw, and then knowing that he has the m v p background as well. But then you look at some of the teams that he's been on and, and almost all the time it's a toxic culture or it's not a winning culture. It ends up going downhill. Is that the organization? You can say in Buffalo it's definitely the organization. That organization sucks the life out of anybody who goes up there. And, and I feel really bad because I love Buffalo sports fans. Those guys are f- fanatical about their team. They just never get the right pieces in order. And, and that Sabres organization's on the verge of possibly getting moved or sold or something because they got to figure something out. Um, And then for the Bruins, I think they're trying to put on their best foot and say, Hey, Taylor, if you stick around, we're going to be very competitive. And I, I I would be very surprised if he doesn't come out and he's going to be the third line center, which is basically your your backup. basically a relief pitcher, but if you have a really good third line, we saw what that did for Tampa last year, the game, the cup clinching goal was scored by a third line, forward so it does add a lot of depth to Boston and and I think the one good thing out of this move and you mentioned it Taylor Hall not having to be Superman and not having to be the best player on the ice because there's no way he's going to be the best player on the ice with Buffalo or excuse me Boston Um, it's an interesting move and I'm I want to see how it plays out just because of that I don't know if he's the issue or if it's just the teams that he's been on are are never any good this will be the first time that he's on a team with the talent to make a deep playoff run. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with them moving forward. Um, elsewhere around some of the bigger trades as I'm, I'm scrolling through ESPN. Um, let's go ahead. Let's talk about the one that affects both of our teams, your Blackhawks and the Colorado Avalanche. Carl Soderberg is coming back, which I, I thanked you yesterday because I, not for the production on the ice, just because one of the local, uh, sports radio guys here, Mark Schlereth, who played for the Broncos for a long time. He loves his last name and he so he's going to open a chain. Once he's retired, he wants to open a chain with him called Soda Burgers, where you can get soda or you can get a burger and that's it. There's no fries, nothing else like that. So uh, I'm happy that we're going to get more Soda Burger content out here in Denver. But uh, what what were your thoughts on this initial trade? Obviously Soda Burg wasn't producing as much for the Blackhawks, but uh, they did end up picking up a few uh, – I believe it was a couple of our minor league players or fringe players, not necessarily starters that we traded to uh, to Chicago to get um, Soderberg back. But what what were your initial thoughts on this move?
1: Yeah, you know, I didn't mind it. I, it, you know, Soderberg, it wasn't like he had the, the the greatest amount of trade value to him. So uh, probably the the two guys that we got from from you, you know, Josh Dickinson and, and Ryder Rolston, um, these guys, you know, they, they have, you know, college and, and other league experience. They haven't been up to the NHL just yet, but uh it, what the, what the Hawks can return is appropriate for essentially their situation, which is, you know, they're kind of in like a mini rebuild right now where it's all about selling off veterans and bringing in young guys and having a pool of prospects to just, you know, pick from the pick and choose. Okay. Who's, who's performing out of the best and who's going to be the future of this team. So, um, well, I, and I thought there was a draft pick uh, sent in too, but I don't think so. So uh, this one isn't, you, you know, you see what you see is what you get. So it's not a draft pick where you're going to pick who you, you know, the prospect you are getting specific prospects. So uh, Soderberg, he, he had a quiet start to the season with the Hawks, but he kind of got into his own and actually was becoming a more reliable piece of the, the offensive production where there was a couple of weeks there where you expected Soderbergh to get a goal or an assist the game, which a guy that, you know, was the third, fourth line uh, veteran forward at this point on the, on this team in this situation was, was okay. And decent. So um, I'm, I'm happy with the move again. It wasn't the most jaw dropping trade. And, you know, sometimes with these prospects, you know, they could be hit or miss, but there's no long term future for Soderbergh, not even a long term or not even a short term solution for him to stay with Chicago. It makes more sense. I'm happy for him that he can go contend for a cup with you guys too. So uh, I'm okay with it because that's just, again, the Hawks got what they needed most, and that's just continuing to pull in the prospects and start evaluating your talent and seeing, okay, who's going to be the next future hopefully future Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays and Duncan Keith of this team going forward. So not, you know, the flashiest trade, but I'm okay with it.
0: No. And that's, uh, I'm looking around and seeing some of the other trades Chicago made. And that's basically uh, like you said, it's a mini rebuild where you're trying to gain draft capital and some prospects. And, And I'll tell you, I've been to Colorado Eagles games. It's not, it's obviously not NHL hockey, but they do have some guys that can, come up and, and with a few years under their belt they can be very reliable guys um and yeah I think Soderberg getting the op- opportunity for another chance at a cup I'm going to say that very hesitantly because I don't want to be the jinx for this season I after after the other moves that they made at the deadline I think it's kind of difficult for me to be a jinx at this point but um, it, the Blackhawks you know they're doing everything that they need to uh, looking around here they picked up a second round pick from Vegas and a third round pick um, and then they also picked up a fourth rounder uh, I I lost who they got that from but they are just kind of you know it's it's similar to trading back in the draft where you trade your the, the first round pick that you had but then you pick up three in in, in return so uh, is that Basically, are you happy with that strategy or would you, because it wasn't too long ago that they were in the playoff race in the Central Division, obviously, that, that playoff, you know, that division kind of transitioned a little bit now in, in Nashville and um, Nashville's got a four-point lead, but are you, basically, do you think that the Blackhawks should just start looking towards the future because any point of, of catching or making the playoffs in a first-round exit probably won't be beneficial? similar to what the bears were, what the conversation was around the bears down the stretch. Maybe they shouldn't win so that they get better draft positioning and everything like that.
1: You know, I'm a believer that the best way to build your organization and and truly determine what you have in your players, whether they're prospects or guys you acquire in, in a variety of ways as, you know, free agent signings, you know, drafting, trading, whatever it is, like, I'd rather, I don't want to. I would rather go with what Chicago's doing right now, is where they're trying to contend, but they're not taking it too seriously. To where, like, you know, Stan Bowman didn't make trades to go all in to go and chase a cup that the, the Hawks have no chance of winning this year. I think management is being realistic with it, where it's like, okay, you know, they're still vying for the fourth and final spot in the Central Division to get into the postseason. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that because I think winning and trying to win and be competitive is better than becoming a lousy organization that has no winning culture whatsoever. Again, you look at a team like Buffalo, you could look at any sport of, you know, a franchise that goes how many years without making the playoffs, without contending for a championship. Um, I don't want to be that team. And the Hawks still have a little bit of that championship pedigree with Duncan Keith still around with Patrick Kane. I don't know what's going on with Jonathan Tays. I've heard a couple of rumors. I don't want to be that guy that, that spills, you know, stuff that's not true, but there's, you know, rumors from him being injured for, or being sick. There's rumors to him being in some personal issues that are more of not being injured or, or sick or whatever. But I don't know, that's kind of a scary situation that you haven't really heard much on him. So your franchise, your your captain's still in limbo, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. But um I, I, I think they're doing it right where you're making smart trades, you're getting again, you're selling off guys that just don't have a, f- a long-term future on your team. And that's why they got rid of Soderbergh. That's why Matthias Janmark went. You brought up that trade with uh, the Golden Knights where that was a steal to get a second and third round pick for a guy that is like a th- a third line forward probably at best. You know, even what they the two trades the, the Hawks did with the Panthers, the first one to get uh, Vinny Hinnestroza back, which that's a Stan Bowman trademark. I think Vinny Hinnestroza might be at least the 13th or 14th, Former Blackhawk that's been acquired back through a trade. Um, but we got rid of a guy named Brad Morrison, who nobody knew who, that, who he was. We all got reminded that he came in from the Olimata trade in the offseason. So you're bringing back a guy that's playing on your team now with young potential over a prospect that's still a question mark. Or, you know, Brett Connolly, Riley Stillman, and, and Henrik Borgstrom. Coming in from the second trade with the Panthers and getting rid of Lucas Carlson and Lucas Walmark, two guys that Walmart just didn't make a, a, a good impact. Carlson has some upside, but the Hawks have so many good defensive prospects that are playing right now or are going to be playing soon they moved on from a guy that they just don't have room for, you know, because another thing you have to remember too, and this doesn't even just affect the Hawks. It affects your team. It affects everybody's team. You know, we have another expansion draft coming up. So you may want to carefully acquire a a meaningless veteran, like, you know, like in our, with the Hawks case, you know, with Brett Connolly, he's not going to have a long-term future with this team. Maybe he becomes who gets sent off in the expansion draft. That's going to come up because, if it's anything like what Vegas got, where they got gifted a team, then oh boy, I can't wait to see what Seattle has. But uh, you know, there's a lot to keep in mind with these trade deadlines, and I really do think that it's I, again, I would rather just compete and try to win games while rebuilding and doing it the right way. And I think the way Stan Bowman did it this. Uh, This past trade deadline was smart. Now we'll see if it pans out. You know, we'll have to wait and see if prospects and draft picks are used wisely and, and end up panning out. But at least for the time being, I'm happy with the moves. I think this is the right direction.
0: Yeah, I'll give the Blackhawks organization credit. They got everything that they could out of that championship window. They built a couple Stanley Cups. Very nice. And it was in quick succession. But they moved on fairly quick. A lot quicker than some of the other teams that they start a dynasty and then they hold on for way too long. Um, so I, I think that that was a good thing and we'll talk a little bit more about the expansion draft coming up here on the show, because that's an interesting topic that we can bring up. And I didn't even think about that going into the trade deadline that teams might be just trying to to sign guys that they can maybe unprotect in the expansion draft and be able to keep some of their top guys around. Um, The other trade that I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to put you on blast a little bit because the last time you were on this show, you were very much, the uh, Vegas was going to be the the team coming out of the West. Uh, But it's still, it's a tight race. The Avalanche are only up by four points and the Blues are turning the game that's going on as we're recording into a little bit more of a nail biter than I'd like. They're up 4-3 right now with 316 left in the third. Uh, But that Devin Dubnik deal, I want to get your thoughts on it and mainly because uh, of what Joe Sackick was able to accomplish. He, I don't know what he does. I really want to get footage of him making a deal and see how he talks these other GMs into what he's been able to do. But Devin Dubnik who knocked the avalanche out has the history of knocking the avalanche out of the playoffs in Minnesota. The avalanche gave up Greg Petirian who's another Colorado Eagles prospect, a very fringe defenseman for the uh, for the avalanche and a fifth rounder for a guy who brings in a lot of experience has a couple playoff runs under his belt and now you get a guy who can spell philip grubauer and and you can rely on your backup goaltending especially with johansson because johansson's been playing a lot better than um misca when they were trying to give grubauer some some rest so do you think that that devin dubnik deal is that going to be the one that kind of puts it over the top for the avalanche, if they are going to win a Stanley cup this season.
1: You know, maybe um, I, I, I like the move because you could, can, you can never have too much depth and you can never have too much, you know, veteran experience on your team. You know? Yeah. I, and again, you can answer this well, you know, better for me because you following the team, you know, I don't know how much exactly he's going to play, but just his presence there to push you know Johansson and Grubauer and and you know even you know the things we don't realize sometimes it's what's being talked about in the meeting room, what's being talked about before games, after games. When you sit down, you look at the tape and talk about a guy's performance, what they're doing well in, what they need to do better in. You know Dubnyk. You know, you, you almost can't even look at his stats and his record, you know, with with being in San Jose, because we know San Jose is not too far off of, of being Buffalo, believe it or not. They're kind of at the bottom of the barrel. So but this is a guy that's been around the block who actually kind of changed Minnesota, the direction for Minnesota. Those first couple of years he was in Minnesota, he was uh, pretty dominant you know, and at one point in 2016, he had 40 wins. He brought them into the playoffs. I believe they upset the St. Louis blues in, in one of those early years, maybe the first year when he was acquired and, and brought in there. So, uh, the bottom line is I, I, he, he definitely helps. And I think it's, I, and I'm sure you as a fan probably feel good knowing you have even more depth at again, what's arguably the most, one of you know, most important positions when it comes to to stanley cup hockey it's 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 goaltending so and god forbid if an injury happens to somebody or a couple injuries happen you know that devin dubnik you have faith that he could get the job done because he's been there before there's you know there's no butterflies in his stomach because he's he's played in series before he's he's been to this level on multiple occasions so you know again this is a move that maybe people don't talk about it as much as they should or appreciate as much. You know, you, you sound like you appreciate it a lot. And I, and I think that's great because again, you can never have enough depth and veteran experience and, you know, whatever they do with Dubnik, whether he gets slotted in to be a backup and plays a lot, or he's kind of there to support, I, I'm assuming he's going to get a nod because why, why would they tra- trade for him if he's, if he's just going to sit around? So um, I, I like the move. I really, you know, again, he may be an unsung hero if they win the cup or go on a deep run, but you you can never stock up on having enough veteran leadership and experience and, and depth. So I, 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 I grade it as an A move.
0: Yeah, just especially with what you were giving up. I mean, you basically give up nothing. A fifth-round pick for the Avalanche is not going to be worth anything at all. And Greg Katerin, you know – probably could have got a shot at some point, but he's definitely going to get a faster shot on San Jose to be getting into NHL games and everything like that. Uh, It's interesting because, like I mentioned, Dubnik did knock out the Avalanche. It was all the way back in 2013, McKinnon's first season, and uh, the the Wild upset the Avalanche, and the local reaction when we signed Dubnik was very visceral. Like, people were still holding that grudge against him and not really looking at what he could be for the team, um I look at it with the Avalanche backup goaltending situation this season, Grubauer is outdone all expectations. I did not expect him to be in the nine nine two fives of goals against average. And at one point he was leading the league and he's still up around the top of the league and wins as a goaltender. So I wasn't expecting that. Now you basically get to use Johansson and Dubnik, similar to what you would use your so if you're an NFL franchise to make that analogy. It would be like bringing in a French, uh, a veteran quarterback, while you have a backup rookie quarterback. So if somebody, something happens mid game, you can go to the guy who's been there before, the veteran, and then give a week for the young guy to step up. Uh, I used to work maintenance, and we would get flat tires in our golf carts all the time. We'd have fix a flat. So you have a spare tire, and you have fix a flat. If nothing, if all else goes wrong, Dubnik, Well, he's not. I'm. I'm gonna compare him to duct tape. It's not anything to him. He could be that patch that you leave over because uh the biggest stat that I see for the Avalanche is they're plus 52. We all know that they can score and their defense has been playing a lot better. It almost doesn't matter anymore who they put in, in goal. I would love it to be groove hour, but he's had some injury history. It's really just, like you said, depth is great and you can never discredit playoff experience when it comes to Stanley cup hockey. It's, I, I say it all the time. I think the Stanley cup playoffs are the most exciting professional sports playoffs in, uh, in, in any of the major four sports here in America. It's, it's another level of intensity. We saw it last season when there was no fans in the arena, it wasn't like these guys were letting off. It wasn't a whole bunch of glorified scrimmages. They were going after each other. They were getting into it. So I, I'm, I'm very happy with it. Obviously I'm super biased. I, I everybody knows that everybody knows that I'm a diehard abs guy. Um, but I did really like that move. Uh, is there any, any other kind of big deal that you saw happen at the trade deadline that you think is going to have long lasting effects? Toronto was a little bit more of a, a buyer than they have been in the past. Do you think that, uh, there's any other move you could see shaking things up uh, going down the stretch of the season?
1: Well, yeah, uh, Toronto, they got, was Felino, Fol- right from Columbus, I believe. Yep. That was another one of those moves that came in. Um, I, I like that move because I, I'm going to be honest with you. And and I know I kind of talked about this. When we were talking about the Canadian division a couple weeks ago when I was on. Um, I, I think Toronto, they're ready to take that next step. They were ready before the trade deadline. I think they are uh, completely there now. And they also, I mean, they may, they made a lot of moves. I mean, most notably, I think, you know Nick Felino, which is which is huge. Where they gave up a lot of draft picks for that. They gave up a lot of draft picks at the deadline in general. They also, you know, David uh, Riddich or Riddich, if I'm saying that uh, properly, a goaltender from Toronto. They got two. Um, so I, I know I'm kind of combining a couple of moves here, but just specifically looking at Toronto, like I said, I thought they were a team based off of the way they performed in the playoffs last year. You know some you know, heartbreaking moments with overtime games and whatnot. But uh, I think Toronto is quietly ready to be the next Canadian team to really, to really get going because I, th- I thought it was a little bit disappointing that, and I don't know if this is something you're going to bring, you want to bring up later on in the show too, but I thought it was disappointing to see Edmonton not really get involved and, and boost, you know, bolster their lines and get some depth and get some support for their star players because ultimately, that's what Toronto did by getting, you know, Nick Felino and acquiring a couple of other guys. So, again, it doesn't hurt to have a, enough depth. It doesn't hurt to have, you know, six or seven guys that are first, second-line type of players and spread them out, you know, through your four lines. That's okay to do. I mean, the Blackhawks did that before, too. They had guys that were second-line worthy guys playing on the fourth line. You know, you, you want to have that depth. You want to have – you want to give your coach – the opportunity to have enough tools in the toolbox to get creative with different lines and things like that. Or if something's not working right in a game, you know, you make those adjustments on the fly in between periods and, you know, in the middle of the game. So why not acquire, you know, more talent and more depth, even if you already are set with Austin Matthews and, and John Tavares and, and some of the other guys in, in Toronto's organization, so I think getting Nick Felino and acquiring another goaltender, you know, they may be rental pieces, and then maybe they gave up more than some people would would agree with or like, but I truly think they did the right thing in and going big because they showed us last postseason that they were almost there, that they were almost ready. And I think honestly, the the trade deadline, they put themselves ahead of every other team in that division. So not only are they are going to set themselves up to succeed to, you know, get to the, you know, get to the playoffs. And I know they're first in that division and, and they're five points ahead of the jets. So the odds are they're, they're going to be totally fine making the playoffs and maybe being with that one seed for the North. But um, again, being one of the aggressive teams at the deadline pays, it should pay off. Yeah.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's, I didn't even really think about that. And I, I finally did get to watch my first North Division game last week. Uh, I turned on Edmonton and Ottawa. So we can we, we can definitely talk about Edmonton because they're a strange case. But in the case of Toronto, it's a team who hasn't won a playoff series in 14 years, I think. And they haven't won a Stanley Cup in, in a very, very long time. And they have – that that's the thing. They have all of these – Curses, quote unquote, that they have to work against being the Canadian team who wants to win the Stanley Cup, their franchise history all all on its own. I really like what they did and the fact that they got that much better around guys like, you know, they they weren't okay with being what they were. I, I still think that they were probably the best team in the north before the trade deadline and they weren't okay with just being the best team in the north. And right now, as it sits currently, they're tied for second in the league overall in points. They're tied with Washington at 60, four behind the avalanche. Had to throw that in there because the Avs are number one in, in the entire league in points-wise. points, points wise. But, uh, no, I, I agree with everything that you said. Getting guys around Austin Matthews and Tavares and shoring up goaltending, which I've made plenty of jokes about on this show. The Canadians forgot that you ha- you needed a goaltender to play hockey because they're just putting up ungodly amounts of points it's, it's a great move for that organization. And, uh, really they're, they're the ones that are trying to, they're not just content with being the Canadian team in the final four. They're content with trying to go as far as possible. And, uh, they, they really set themselves up for it, at least for this season. There's not, you know, Edmonton was my other team in the division that could possibly pull out the one seed and with the way that they're going and and you, you know, We talked so much about the importance of goaltending and the importance of the back end. Edmonton does not value defensive hockey at all. Everybody knows that they value offensive hockey quite a bit. McDavid and Dreisaitl are point scoring machines. Uh, In the game that I watched last week, they both had five point games and it was four assists for McDavid, two Dreisaitl, and then one goal that was assisted by It's It's crazy how well oiled of a machine their offense is, no pun intended. Their defense gives so many causes for concern I I don't see the only other team in the Canadian division I could see making a little bit of a run would be Winnipeg and that's mainly because they do value defensive hockey in a division that is just all about scoring goals Winnipeg might be the only team that could maybe stand up but Toronto bolstered their offense to a point where they're loaded and and ready with firepower to go up against and be that top top four teams in the league by the time the playoffs get to that
2: point.
1: Well, and something that, you know, something I started to remember, too, is last year in the, in the playoffs or the, the, the playing tournament, you know, when they returned uh, from the, the COVID break, um, the, the Hawks played them in, a, in, in the, that, I believe it was a five game series. And, and, and David McDavid almost single handedly <laughs> beat the Hawks in that series. However, he didn't have support by the rest of his team. Um, He didn't have great goaltending, you know, Mike Smith. I always, I I would never trust Mike Smith being the goaltender in between the pipes for my team. Um, He was a a major liability for them. And if it wasn't for McDavid they, they, the Hawks might've won that series a little bit quicker. It might not have went to the the decisive game five because you can't, because when you're, you have one player that scores all the goals and, and provides all the offense when they're not, that's the problem when they're not on the ice or if he has a bad period and nobody else is scoring or, or, or picking up, you know, the the slack. And, and that's the thing is, you know, we see when it comes to Stanley cup playoffs, you know, all of the lines matter, you know, your third and fourth line players become very important when it comes time to get into an overtime game and you're playing continuous overtime periods. And I just feel like Edmonton hasn't shown us in in the last couple of years of them having dry Seidel and McDavid, that those two can single-handedly get it done. I can even tell you as a Hawks fan that as much as Jonathan Tays and Patrick Kane are legends, if they didn't have Patrick Sharp and Marion Hossa and Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. And, you know, I can list every guy that played on the other lines from 2010, 2013, and 2015, it wasn't all just, you know, Kane and Tays. I mean, Brad, you know, look at who scored the two goals to to win the 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 cup against the uh, the Bruins. You know, it was Brian Bickle and Dave Bolin. You know, those are you know third fourth line guys that you know aren't nowhere near the superstar level of of you know Kane and, and Taze. but they showed up in the most crucial situations throughout playoff series and playoff runs multiple times. So. You know, I don't just—I don't want people to think I'm just picking on Edmonton because I know last time I was on, I was kind of picking on them. But I'm—I'm being serious because I want to see them actually succeed. I want to see McDavid and Austin Matthews—you know, again, arguably the two, the top two players of this next generation of the NHL. I want to see them succeed and get to Stanley Cups and get far in the playoffs. But I don't—I just don't see Edmonton's team built with depth and multiple guys that they could rely on and solid goaltending that you can trust like Toronto has right now.
0: Yeah. Edmonton's basically uh, playing blackjack. They, they think that they know what's going to happen, but in all reality, I mean, these guys have been dry and McDavid have been playing together long enough that we know exactly what they can do as a duo. And it's very, it's incredible. I mean, the the north division hockey it's it's a different kind of hockey than what i've been seeing with the avalanche and some of the other divisions across the league it's it's impressive what they can do but if they don't have that momentum or if they're not able to draw on something that that's not just physically on the ice it's not it's not there and you bring up a great point all of these stanley cup winning teams in the past i, I could probably go back say 30 years It's not just the rocket Richard's of the golden age of hockey that are flying down the ice and winning the game by themselves. It's always somebody else behind them. That's able to pick up some sort of slack and everything like that. And you're right. The fact that Edmonton didn't go out and try and get somebody like that for McDavid and Dreisidel, I really think that Edmonton thinks they're the best team in this division, and it's not going to matter where they end up in seating and they're close. (laughs) Excuse me. They're not close to falling to four to where they'd have to play Toronto in the first round. But that Winnipeg series is not going to be easy if it stays as is right now in the North Division with Winnipeg being two and Edmonton being three. That's going to be a knockdown, dragout first-round series, and we might not even get to see McDavid and Drysidle past round one of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, that 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 is a real thing that could happen. And that, again, and it would be so disappointing because you're talking – you know, one of the most electric players in the league today that, you know, what he, what him and Dreisaitl are doing is just amazing how the two of them in 42 games this year have combined for 120 points. I mean, they both have over 60 points so far this season. And I can only imagine the amount of points they'd have if this was a full 82 game schedule. They They'd probably both score a good chance both of them would either get very close or could potentially score, you know, 90 points or over a hundred points. But again, yeah. playoff hockey is just a different breed. So.
0: Yeah. And the fact that they have, I was looking it up today because I wrote a blog for the unhinged, uh, unhinged sn.com. Uh, the avalanche top line has 143 points on the season and dry McDavid have only 20 points less than an entire first line. And it's really – you can't even call Ed, that a, a line for Edmonton because whoever's out on the ice with dry side on McDavid are just window dressing and will catch a, a pass back at the blue line every now and again when they're, they're in the attacking moving the zone. they just the to them. Yeah. Yeah. Just them the just, <laughs> where, where's Leon? Okay, he's covered. McDavid's open. And that's that's the offensive strategy for Edmonton at this point. It, it would be disappointing. But I, I really hope – I'm hoping that we get a Matthews-McDavid playoff series because – Matthews being the best American player in the game right now and McDavid I'm not going to call him the best Canadian player because you have to play defense to be the best overall player but definitely best offensive player in the league it would be something something to behold and and I think that's what a lot of people are hoping for I know Canada TSN is up there hoping that Winnipeg does not upset Edmonton in the first round as it stands right now they'd be okay with Montreal and Toronto or. Basically, they just don't want Winnipeg in the mix after the first round of the playoffs for the North Division. They want Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal, the big three Canadian teams to move forward, that, that's for sure. It'll be, It's not going to be an exciting race down the stretch, but definitely that 2-3, I really think Edmonton has to probably get that second seed or hope that Winnipeg somehow falls off and, and drops out of the, their first-round matchup because, I, like I said, I don't like that matchup for the Oilers at all. Um, All right, let's let's go ahead and get into the break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some of the bigger headlines. Uh, We have some unfortunate injury news to discuss. And then uh, I do want to talk about the expansion draft coming up and what we think about that happening. But that's going to be coming up here on two for chirping, the exclusive home for hockey talk on the Unhinged Sports Network with myself, Jimmy Pilato and Will Hatzel from beyond the press box. Benchwarmers, thank you guys for listening to the Unhinged Sports Network. And we wanted to talk about Fanatics once again. Our oldest partner, our very first partner on the Unhinged Sports Network. You can still use their link in our bio and make your purchase because there's new jerseys coming out on that site. And and not just jerseys and shirts. It's anything merchandise-wise. Uh, all of the podcasts on the Unhinged Sports Network talk about it at pod. to find the link in our bio and use that to buy your shirt. They've got promo codes every single day. Um, great, great deals, great content, great, great merchandise that you can get. Nico, what are some of the things that they can find on the Fanatics website? Through our link that they can buy.
2: Well, I mean, it, it's it's March, it's April, man, we have lots of good stuff coming. But the best time of March is the conference tournaments for college basketball and all those beautiful warm ups that they use throughout the tournament. If you see a dude losing his mind on the bench with a sick warm up uh, while you're watching the tournament, Go to use the Fanatics ad. Go get you one of the warm ups from those universities and go get support your favorite teams because all those just sick warm ups, like I said, sick jerseys, whatever it may be, lots of good stuff. And the All Star game just happened, NBA All Star game happened. Go get you a Nicole Jokic jersey. I'm not sure what the color looks like right now because we're recording before, but go get you a Nicole Jokic jersey. Go get you, <coughs> excuse me, All Star warm ups. I got an All Star warm up jacket All Fanatics. Go use the hat. Use that sure use that
0: yeah, Fanatics, the best place for a sports fan. Get all your different merchandise that you need. Link in our bio at F-E-O-T-B pod. Help out the Unhinged Sports Network and support your favorite team. What's up, Benchwarmers of the Unhinged Sports Network? We got another thing to, to get to because, you know, nobody likes dealing with cable companies in 2020. And here at the Unhinged Sports Network, we wanted to cater to you guys to go into the new age, cut your cable cords with Fubo TV. We have a new link, a new partnership. You can go to the link in our bio and if you sign up for a subscription through that link, you will kick back a little bit of money to the Unhance Sports Network so we can continue to bring great content all across this platform. And we got big things coming up in 2021. So you're going to have to to get in on this and we're helping you out in the process. Yeah, make make
2: your life easier, man. No one likes dealing with cable companies. You don't get half the channels. Um, sometimes there's blackouts. That's not present with Fubo. You can get whatever you want. I can watch Sunday Night Football with no sweat. I can watch or T, or I can watch basketball on TNT anytime I want. Um, be sure to use Fubo, man. I'm definitely going to use it. I hate paying for cable, so I'm going to be using that right right now as we speak. If we're being honest, and I want to make sure to get on that deal. So now it's your turn to do the same. Help out the unhinged sports network. Cut your cable
0: cord. Come into the digital age. Thanks, guys. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen to two for chirping the exclusive home for hockey talk here on the unhinged sports network. Thank you guys for tuning in with myself Jimmy Pilato and will Hatzel from the on beyond the press box and we did a lot of talking about the trade deadline. Um, and the moves that did happen, we kind of wanted to go a different way coming out of the break and let's start by talking about one move that basically everybody who's come on this show in the past three weeks has been begging for get jack eichel out of buffalo please get him to a place where we can actually see him at his full potential and everything like that. Doesn't seem like Buffalo really ever wanted to move on from Eichel. He's obviously their cornerstone piece. They would like to try and build around at some point, if they ever get to the rebuilding phase of the rebuild. But is that something that you're surprised Buffalo didn't move on when Eichel was, you know, Eichel could probably get at least what Hall got, maybe even a little bit more just based on age, age and Potential-wise, is that something you were intrigued by?
1: You know, it's interesting because, you know, it came out today, earlier today, that he's now going to be done for the season, supposedly with a neck injury, specifically a herniated disc. Uh, It kind of makes you wonder, did he not get traded because of the injury concern? Maybe teams didn't want to acquire him because if he was going to end up missing the season or missing a lengthy period of time, you know, why would you give up assets for him? Um, Or is he just going to say screw I don't want to play let me go get some surgery or let me go uh heal up or do whatever you know some kind of rehab to you know get rid of the nagging injuries so it kind of makes you wonder what's really happening but um I I, I'm going to be honest I I would say Buffalo's a loser overall at the trade deadline because they yeah they didn't trade Eichel they didn't really get anything in return for Hall not that it's their fault necessarily uh some people were uh, were assuming that Sam Reinhart was going to get traded um it, you know they got some guys that you would think would maybe have some trade value maybe you know Jeff Skinner uh, they're they so bad this year Jimmy that i mean Jack Eichel's got two goals uh Jeff Skinner's got five goals nine points total like and none of these guys did anything this year to to warrant any trade value. So it doesn't surprise me in a way that Eichel wasn't traded, but I really just can't believe they won't just blow this up. It's that bad. They have a couple of notable names on that roster where they should get should have got something for them. Maybe in the long run it'll pay off to hold on to Eichel and let him get healed up first so maybe you get some better stuff. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head as to why Buffalo didn't really pursue a little bit more you know intensely to to trade away eichel or anybody else for that matter honestly
0: yeah and for those who think we're being unfair to buffalo because we mentioned how bad they are they just got to 10 wins on the season they've played 42 games and they just got to double digit wins and they do have now the longest losing streak in the salary cap era that got all the way up to 18 games so it may seem unfair, but it's it's the 100% truth. And when you're that bad, you you just said it. You're not really going to be able to make moves at the trade deadline. It's difficult to blow everything up when you're that bad because nobody wants to do any deals with you. Uh, I know Jack Eichel has all this talent and was super highly touted, and he's only 24, so it'll be interesting to see what happens after he recovers from his injury. There's just the fact that he could only score two points on a team that was this bad it's you don't even have really a star you can't there's no bright spot for the buffalo Sabres season at this point and it's just insult to injury no pun intended that now jack eichel is going to be out for the rest of the season so we're really going to get to see what kind of farm system buffalo has and i'm not looking forward to it i i said ottawa watching ottawa play hockey was a very borderline you can barely call it professional hockey I haven't been able to watch a Buffalo Sabres game, but I assume if I watched the Sabres game, I'd be saying the exact same thing about them. And really, you know, we've tried to come up with what they could do to fix it a couple times on this show. And the only thing that makes any sense at this point is either a change in ownership or just a change in management philosophy in general, that, that family that owns the Sabres, they, they own the bills as well and when they were both really bad it was because that family that owns them i, I don't i can't think of the name of the family but they were super hands on basically jerry jonesing their franchise to death is where they get to decide everything and they're the last last word <clears throat> they kind of need to take that same approach that they've transitioned with buffalo in the nfl and maybe just take a hands off approach find a really good coach GM combo, and just let these guys see what they can do because it's going to take a miracle. They're going to be on life support as a franchise for a long time. I don't see this getting any better in the 2021 season or, you know, next best season I could see them having is probably three years down the line. That, that's teams honestly.
1: don't usually have teams. Don't usually find much success with what Buffalo is doing right now, which is pairing a couple of their, you know, draft picks like Eichel with you know the combination of signing a guy like you know taylor hall or jeff skinner like you can't just that's like forcing puzzle pieces in the spots that they just don't fit in and you know no matter how hard you try there's nothing you could do to make it work and i kind of think that's what Buffalo's doing
0: yeah like we said it's everybody has an opinion on what can help them but it's you know, even if some of these strategies do take place, I think that it's still far fetched for them to be turning around any sooner than, than what's already expected. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the Jack Eichel injury. It is a herniated disc in his neck. Uh the team put out a message along with the announcement of his injury that he's expected to be healthy and ready to play at the beginning of the 2021-22 season. Um, which is that that kind of Gives me a little bit of pause. It almost seems like this was an injury just so that he didn't have to continue to embarrass himself on the ice every night with the, the ragtag bunch of guys that he was playing with. Um, <clears throat> it's a herniated disc is not something that's that easy to come back from, and if it if it requires surgery, that's a whole nother added you know diff- degree of difficulty. What realistically can be expected from Eichel? coming off of this injury like I said he's 24 still super young in the game that's the crazy thing about the NHL is basically everybody's either 21 24 or below or 40 and older that's that's basically how the league works at this point what's the realistic expectation for Eichel coming off of the injury
1: yeah you know um, if anything I still think he's probably gonna hope to get traded I think honestly, I don't say I I think this is kind of smart of him. I I don't know if I necessarily agree with it it is maybe the cheap way out, but, you know, look at it this way. If he's having, you know, an issue, like, okay, you could argue that maybe that's a lingering annoying injury that you could play through, but it's still annoying. He's got to do what's best for his future interests. And that's probably getting healthy and to the point where if he does end up getting traded, you know, he could go to a team or some, somebody who's going to want to acquire him. And he could go play for hopefully a better team and contend, you know, be on a winning team, winning culture, winning organization, contend for the playoffs and things like that. So um, I ultimately think that this there's probably a bigger strategy here in terms of him uh, looking f- to the future for his career. So um, I haven't heard if he's having surgery or anything like that. I don't know if it's that major or if he's just going to, you know, take some time to, to rest heal up his body and then you know rehab it and do whatever he needs to do you know training wise in the off season but yeah something tells me he's doing this to to, to be able to heal up and not risk further injury playing for this franchise right now and and yeah I, he's probably hoping he could get traded or he's going to set himself up to get ready to get launched to his, the next destination
0: It could be a situation where the management wants to make sure that he's healthy too, because yes, the trade deadline passed, but that doesn't mean at the end of the season, they could still try and move him as well. Um, So it could be a, a situation where the franchise is like, we know that you're tough. We know that you want to continue to play because you're disappointed with how the season's going. But honestly, it's probably going to be better for both sides. If you just get healthy, make everybody forget about this God awful season that we're having and that we unfortunately put upon you as well and then we'll see where we can get you to move in the off season. That would be, I mean, if sports were fair, and if it wasn't just a cold hearted business, that would probably be what was going on. Um, But I, it's difficult for me to not be cynical and look at it as I wouldn't want to play for Buffalo either. So if I had a little bit of a nagging injury, I'd probably tell them that I was done for the season too, just so that I wouldn't have to continue to go out there and get my brains beat in for very little to no return. Like we said, they just, it was within the last two games that they got the 10 wins on the season. They are 10, 25, and seven, and they've scored a total of 27 points, which is, I believe, dead last. Let's see what, yeah, Ottawa scored over 30 points, so they are the only team right now in the league that has yet to score 30 points on the season, so it's a bad situation. Hopefully, every, hopefully, for Eichel's sake, it gets sorted out the way that it's supposed to, but it's a, it's a strange thing to just have something like that come up, especially at this point in the year where it's not necessarily down the stretch, but it kind of is. So Buffalo might just be, we mentioned it a couple of times. They might just be looking towards the future because that's all they can do at this point. There's no salvaging anything this season. There's no playing for pride. There's no pride went out the window on that 18 game losing streak. There's it's, it's a closed, closed door at this point. Um, Elsewhere around the league for some injury news, the Dallas Stars, uh, disappointing season for them, especially coming off of a Stanley Cup Finals appearance. Uh, Sagan not being able to play yet this season's probably been uh, one of the bigger reasons why they've done that, but the Stars goalie, Ben Bishop and Alexander Radulov, uh, two guys that uh, Bishop I didn't really hate all that much during the playoff series because the Avalanche actually beat him up pretty good when... He got the nod in their series, but Radulov is, he was one of the, one of my, the banes of my existence for that entire playoff series. He was always around the puck, always making something happen for the stars. They will both be missing the rest of this season due, due to an injury. Um, and, and that could be, uh, first of all, wh- why what do you chalk up to this disappointing season that Dallas is having, especially coming off of their season that they had last year?
1: Well, nothing's kind of worked out well for him or to work out in the right way. I mean, they start the season with missing time because of, you know, COVID concerns, COVID issues. Um, You don't have the guy who's supposed to be your, your main goalie, your starting goalie and and Ben Bishop at all this year, Radulov actually only played in 11 games this year uh, and actually had 12 points in those 11 games. So, I mean, that's a guy that was productive in every game he was a part of, but hasn't been able to stay on the ice hardly at all this season so i mean you're talking a a team that just and yeah they don't have tyler sagan i I mean when you're missing a a couple of your your key players and in this case at least three i could think of i don't that maybe there's some other guys offhand that i i don't know this team is just again when you when you look at it like outside of jamie ben and joe pavelski uh who's the next man to step up? I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys on this, on this team right now that again, like I was preaching about depth earlier. I don't see the depth for Dallas right now, at least when it comes to their forwards and then obviously not having their main goaltender. So uh, they did pick up uh, Sammy Vatan and off a of waiver. So that's going to bolster their defense a little bit. Uh, ho- hopefully, I don't know if that's going to be a big boost or not. But yeah, again, when you when you're missing a, a huge chunk of your 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 key players that you're supposed to rely on for success and to win games, that, that's gonna that's gonna hurt any team.
0: Yeah, and really, I mean, there was some expectations for the stars coming into the season, but after not starting on time with COVID and everything like that, and the way they handled all of it it really you know we we said that there was no salvaging the season for buffalo this is probably one of the better things that could have happened for dallas because they have that excuse that we didn't have three of our stars for the season so yes we were disappointing we underperformed greatly we understand that but we're gonna get these guys back and and sagan actually missed this season i didn't realize he had a hip arthroscopy and then a labral repair in his hip also last last October. So. That's why he was he's not been able to play. That's a pretty major surgery and, and some rehab to go through. But uh, <clears throat> I guess if you're the stars, the, the silver linings are. Kudobin is still a solid backup goaltender. He was absolutely crazy in the playoffs last year. He's, he's not quite that level in this regular season. But you're also getting a rookie, Jake Oettinger, getting some starts and being able to split time with a backup goaltender. So you should be set. Basically, at that position, at least you'll have guys with experience. Um, And then when when Radulov is able to come back, when Sagan is able to come back, if they're back on the ice with Pavelski and Jamie Benn, a couple games. And these guys could have the same kind of chemistry that they had all last season and what we saw in the playoffs. This Stars team, unlike the Buffalo Sabres, is very quick to possibly turn around, depending on how the rehabs and the injuries are handled. But I would say that the Stars are in 10 times the position of, of the Sabres, which we just talked about. Agreed. Other uh, that's pretty much the big injury news. Uh, let's, let's go ahead. We'll let's talk about the expansion draft. Cause you mentioned it earlier and it does, you know, it plays into the trade deadline. Like I said, it, maybe teams are picking up guys that they wouldn't have just so that they could save an extra player. Uh, but what do you think we're about to see in this expansion draft, especially looking back on how things went for Vegas? And and really Vegas didn't get any huge stars, but they got a lot of really good second and third stars from teams and they just built, you know, one of the more more solid rosters that we've seen uh coming out of an expansion draft in a long time and it's still it's still working. They're still second in their division, they're still top 10 in the league. So what should we expect from Seattle in this expansion draft and how do you think the teams are going to handle it differently than they did a few years ago with vegas
1: well ironically enough and i'm looking at an article uh that was dated back from last july that the 2021 seattle nhl expansion draft is going to have the same rules as uh the golden knights expansion draft and Man, lucky Vegas. They're the only team that doesn't have to give up a player uh to the Seattle Kraken and their expansion draft. Must be nice. <laughs> but uh I have nothing against Vegas. I'm just a little bit jealous that they had, you know, they got c- created under such, you know, generous circumstances to a point. But, um yeah, I, I think you have to prepare for Seattle to probably get a couple of decently named players. You know, they, again, maybe... You know, maybe there's a couple guys that come onto the scene like William Carlson did a couple of years ago for Vegas. Maybe it's an aging veteran, or I mean, look at like, you know, look at Marc Andre Fleury. I mean, there, maybe there's a a, a Mark Andre Fleury esque guy that goes to Seattle, which would be cool. I mean, look, I'm, I don't want them to suck their first twenty years of existence in in existence, but um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because I want to I want to see how Seattle handles it. And, and is it compared to Vegas because Vegas the guys, they were acquiring in the expansion draft. They were trading off and acquiring different draft picks and other players. Like they were kind of wheeling and dealing. I remember, I think from the Hawks, they got Trevor van reems Like I believe they traded him to the Carolina hurricanes. Um, so will they be as aggressive as Vegas was in terms of, you know, picking guys and trading for other guys? Will they be, Throwing a lot of draft picks and and prospects down the road, like Vegas did to acquire some of the other guys that that they've signed and hired. You know, um, what's the other guy? Or like they got Mark Stone. You know, they they've they've acquired even better pieces now than even what they got at the expansion draft. So, I think it ultimately is going to come down to what kind of manage, uh, yeah, like front office management style they're going to have, and if it's anything like Vegas, they're going to be probably they'd be very aggressive and they're going to, uh, probably again, they're going to have an opportunity to get some players because other teams are going to have the option are going to have two options to protect players. So they're going to be able to either protect seven forwards, three defensemen and a goaltender or eight total skaters and a goaltender, depending on, I guess they could fluctuate, uh, who they want to protect, but, point is they're going to be able to protect a handful of guys, but um, there's going to be a lot of strategy for Seattle, but also these teams, like I said, with the Hawks, you know, them acquiring the veteran Brett Connolly, he may not be a guy that's going to be in in a piece of the puzzle for long, but he maybe is the guy they're going to not protect and maybe keep open for, you know, Seattle to protect, potentially get. So teams, this is going to be a strategy and a a league altering thing again for, for everybody, not just. Seattle uh, specifically, but everybody's going to be switched up. But yeah, I mean, if you followed what it was like when the Golden Knights came into existence, it's going to be pretty much the same thing. It's the same rules.
0: Yeah. And the general manager for the Kraken is Ron Francis, who we brought it up a couple weeks ago in the panel that I had on um, that week was super excited about that hire. It's people seem to have high hopes for that. Uh, I, I think of a team like Boston who just picked up Taylor Hall <clears throat> and, and I think that makes an interesting situation there because you know, they already have that perfection line. They already had some guys in their second and third lines. Uh, that, that goes back to what I said about it being kind of a audition for both the team and for Taylor Hall because we might be seeing Taylor Hall in the fourth uniform in the past two years if they if he does end up being on the Bruins and then not protected in the expansion draft, uh, that guy might have three different zip codes in you know, just as many years, it's, it's kind of insane how this expansion draft stuff works. And, and you're right if Vegas or if Seattle plays it like Vegas did guys are going to be flying all over the place. It's going to be draft day with Kevin Costner, except it's hockey and there's going to be a lot more A's and maybe a couple French Canadian accents because, you know, Quebec is a, a huge hockey hockey market uh, just for the, the Seattle team in general do, do you agree with the nhL deciding to put the team there obviously they've been clamoring for some some more they've been clamoring for a team to fill up a dome since the supersonics left um, but what do you think hockey's going to be like up there in the pacific northwest do you think that they're going to be able to
1: do what vegas did and and build a culture of hockey i think so um like i said i think they're going to, going to have a great opportunity to get some relevant players to play for them to start off and, and- and have an opportunity to potentially succeed right away. I don't know if they're going to be able to do exactly what Vegas did and go to the Stanley Cup in their first season, but uh, they're they're going to have an interesting product, an intriguing product to put on the ice for their first couple of years at least. Um, I think Seattle is definitely deserving of it. Um, see, you know, Seattle Seahawks fans, you know, they have arguably one of the loudest stadiums. Um, the Seattle Sounders, you know, MLS soccer team has a lot of passionate fans i've you know mm-hmm. paid attention to their fan base a little bit and things they've done uh th- they deserve a basketball team i hope seattle finds a way to get the nba back in the town too but the, i overall i think seattle is definitely an underrated uh sports city for, in terms of fandom and and the passion that those fans have and i think they're going to find a way to 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 get in the hockey um I, I again whatever the nhl did in order to bring that recipe is success to vegas i think he tried to do the same thing i mean i i, I know vegas is a, a fun thrilling exciting area to be in and maybe has bet more benefits and advantages than seattle but I, seattle already has a pretty sound and intense fan base i think you're going to find some hockey fans out there and and honestly jimmy and this is i'll kind of shoot a question counter question to you i i think they're going to get some interest because i mean the name the kraken um the 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 colors the logo like it's just it's a modern to me it's got a modernized feel to it and I I don't know if they came out with the actual jersey designs yet I know there's been a lot of like prototypes and people have been making their own and posting them online but I I'm curious to, to send a question your way like what do you think about the, again, not just the location, but the name and and the colors and, and potentially what jerseys could look like. I th- I think there's a lot there, just that to to interest people too before you even get a hockey team put together.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, and funny that you posed that question because that's what I was about to bring up as well. <clears throat> Technically, I mean. Vegas did a lot player-wise and and they put together a really solid roster and everything like that. But the NHL did everything that they could. I believe that Vegas was the first team or they at least, you know, put a lot of production value into that pre-video that they play on the ice. And then they had the, the performers come in from the strip and, and all that. So it was a very well thought out marketing plan. And from some of the concepts that I've seen for what the Seattle Kraken uniforms can look like, Uh, I'll be honest with you I was on the I was doing my radio show in college when they first decided that it was the Seattle Kraken I thought what did a five-year-old say oh okay no I like the Kraken that's that's what I want to do that's that's what I want the team to be it kind of fits I mean the Pacific Northwest Loch Ness Monster the Kraken it, it, it makes sense being that that you know climate and there's already, you know, there's there's a lot of things that go into that. There's already a built-in rivalry with Vancouver. Once you start having uh, non just divisional play, that's going to be big for them. And if they are, they're able to sell the team and the sweater like they did in Vegas. Seattle is going to eat that up because you're right. They're some of the more passionate fans that you can find in the country. Just, you know, even the Mariners. The Mariners suck, <laughs> and <they've>, they they <laughs> can. They perpetually suck, and people still love to go out there. They're still really diehard Mariners fans. There's still people that wear Seattle Supersonics jerseys. They've been gone since the early 2000s. This is is a city that loves their sports and their sports teams. So, I mean, the NHL probably picked the best place that they could have, and everything that I've seen so far marketing-wise, it's probably going to be a success. And it's good because then you get another market, possibly some more – interest in the game that really you know outside of a few parts of the country aren't all that big which is strange because like we said playoff hockey there's nothing like playoff hockey and there's nothing like the stanley cup final game and and when you're in a place and you're contending there's just a buzz about the city like colorado is has an avalanche fever right now and that's because we we have one of the teams that could possibly contend and if you can maybe build something like that in seattle which you know i I don't trust the commission. I don't trust Bettman to do that, but I trust the people that are around him because they've done it once in Vegas already. I feel like if they hadn't succeeded with Vegas, the way that they did Seattle might be looked at as a joke, but I think, you know, Vegas helped out Seattle a lot just by giving them some legitimacy before they even have a team before they even, they don't even have a coach hired yet. They have a general manager and that's it. So, uh, so far, Seattle's knocked everything that they could out of the park.
1: And they did actually release the jersey. So uh, any, if anybody hasn't seen them yet, you know, just hop on Google and, and look up Seattle Kraken jerseys there. Um, you know, their, their logo is maybe not the most thrilling, exciting thing to see. But I think the color scheme uh, is different. And again, I think it just ultimately it has like a modern feel and and just, you know, people like when they see something new, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the traditional sweaters that you know the Blackhawks and the Rangers and some of the you know Toronto some of these other Red teams wings. have been wearing yeah you know these Detroit you know these teams that have worn the same things over the years they're they're historical but not gonna lie some new colors some new threads some you know a new team uh you definitely could get uh, a little bit interested and excited to see that and lastly Seattle fans again if if they're allowed outside you know where this where the 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 Seahawks play. I can only imagine how loud and rambunctious they could be in an indoor environment as what you'd get in an ice rink. <laughs> so an ice arena. So uh, that I'm yeah. curious to see if they could get loud and rowdy in there. That's that would just be awesome for the environment. So.
0: Yeah, I think we got to go look up some old King King dome highlights and, and hear what Seattle actually sounded like in a dome. Cause it's been a while. I mean, uh, they haven't been inside for a long time real quick before we move on from Seattle. I do. I'm looking because I googled what the jerseys are gonna look like, and there was actually a concept jersey made, to where it's the skyline of Seattle in the middle of a circle, and then you have tentacles and and everything like that around it. Probably oh, like not that. practical, but th- that's a cool concept. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you know,
1: it reminds me of uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I think it was the second one, Dead Man's Chest, where they had the Kraken and they would you know attack and eat the ships and eat the people like. I think that, yeah, I, I, always referred to that. So yeah, having the tentacles and like surrounding the city or something. I do like that concept.
0: Yeah. Uh, I am sure that they're going to, they're not going to have a reverse retro Jersey just because same reason that I'm kind of wary to ha- give Vegas one of those, but they're probably going to come up with some pretty cool alternate jerseys. And, um, uh, it's a it's a fan base that was clamoring for another team. We saw what they did for the Dragons in the XFL. They packed out that stadium, and the Dragons weren't even one of the top teams in the XFL when it was coming back. So they're they're a rabid fan base, and I think they're ready for something in a dome. and And now they finally get it. Uh, real quick before we kind of wrap things up, let's look here. I have the league standings pulled up on ESPN, and let's just look at the top five we'll say because uh the, the the hurricanes and lightning are tied for fifth and that's going to be the the winner of the central uh, but number one the avalanche with 64 points have 30 wins in 43 games Two toronto with or excuse me avalanche have 64 points Two toronto has 60 points and then you have washington also with 60 vegas at four with 58 and then carolina and tampa bay also tied and you can throw in New York there too. There's a lot of teams that are stuck at 58 points, but let's just go to Carolina, Tampa Bay, Vegas, Washington, and Toronto. Of those top five, and and this is me kind of leading you to take to go back on your Avalanche and, and Golden Knights take a little bit from a couple of weeks ago. Of those top five, what team do you to you stands out as a true Stanley Cup contender?
1: Okay, so. You know, I was – I think last time I was on, I was really high on Tampa still, but they have quieted down. I mean, I even was watching a game not too long ago where they, I think they lost like one nothing to, to Detroit. Like, they just really kind of got quiet and aren't their dominating selves lately. Um, again, in terms of viewing it as almost like in a power rankings way, you know, a weekly thing, uh, yeah, I'm kind of getting high on Colorado right now. I'll, I'll make you happy and say I'm really thinking – uh, the Avalanche are a strong contender. I, former Blackhawk Brandon sod has been doing pretty well for you guys. I think, you know, bringing back Soderberg and and getting Dubnik. I mean, again, being a trade deadline winner as you guys were and where you currently are, the way you're, you're playing right now, even before these moves were made, now adding these moves on uh, onto this team and onto this momentum and the way they're playing Uh, yeah, the Colorado's hot right now. They're nine and one in their last 10 games. I I, it's Colorado's one of those teams. It's just at some point, just one of these years, it's going to happen for them. And then this very well could be the year, you know, there's so much talent you guys have have drafted and acquired a lot of big pieces over the years. You guys have built the team the proper way I would say. So, yeah, I would say Colorado
0: Yeah, and we can thank the Ottawa Senators for that because they wanted Duchesne so badly. They gave up all of their draft capital, and that gave us Bowen Byram and Kale McCarr. So we're not just leaning on Nathan McKinnon, but we brought that up on the far end of the bench because we were talking about how bad Ottawa was um, and what not to do as a franchise, and that's exactly what Ottawa did because Duchesne didn't even play the next season for for the Senators. And I think that that trade was made – uh it had to have been like 2015 or 2016 and since then the avalanche have been nothing but in an upward trajectory and we know what the senators are the senators are a borderline a- ahl team i don't even know if they win an ahl championship obviously i'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit if if you haven't heard far into the bench that's what i do nico's the more level-headed i'm the italian i throw everything out there and if something sticks that's fine but uh, <clears throat> yeah no that, Thank you for, for doing that and saying that the Avalanche are probably the, the best cup contender. Um, then just division-wise, what do you think so far on the season, what division has been the most competitive to you? Is it the central because that's obviously a really tight race at the top, or is it a division like the East who's just really stacked throughout? What What division is the most competitive in your eyes?
1: Oh, man, this is tough because – Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to go with the central and I know it might sound like I'm, I'm going with, you know, the, the, the most notable group because obviously you know my hawks are in the central and they compete with these teams but i think the only reason why i didn't pick the east is because okay the capitals have kind of been riding high the penguins have been up there i I mean there hasn't really been a change with their, their with their standings in terms of of major movement like your top four is typically your top four right there i mean the rangers have been Eh, all year the flyers have been eh, all year obviously the devils and and the sabers are the same but when you when all of a sudden in the last couple of weeks the central has taken this turn in terms of where the hurricanes have gotten this huge momentum uh to where they shot up in the first place and are contending with the lightning the lightning have kind of cooled off i mean they're still solid they're still a dangerous team i you don't hit the panic button on them um but then you have the Predators all of a sudden overstepping the Blackhawks for even that fourth and final spot. The Panthers have been very solid this year. And, and they're, again, you got that three-way tie right now at 58 points with the Hurricanes, the Lightning, and the Panthers. So a couple of these other divisions, you kind of are getting a good feel of, okay, with only 10 to 15 games left, you kind of get a feel for who's going to you know, land where you don't technically know who exactly is going to be in the playoffs in the Central yet, at least for that fourth and final spot. Could be the Predators, could be the Blackhawks. I mean, Dallas is, you know, a couple games back, but again, we just talked about all the injuries they have. I don't think they're going to be able to recover, but um, you don't know who's going to walk away as the division champ, and you don't even know who's, you know, your complete top four is going to be just yet. So uh, a couple little battles within you know, the central division amongst five teams. I'm happy my Hawks are in it, but um, yeah, it's all of a sudden this division went from being, oh, okay, the Lightning are going to be the cream of the crop and maybe the Hurricanes and then everybody else is going to fight for a playoff spot or fight to be relevant. No, you got Florida having a really good year. Nashville turned it up and Chicago's been a surprise, even though they're a little bit disappointing late. They're overall having a surprising year, I think. So I'm going to go with the central.
0: Yeah, and the Central right now is probably the division. We might have our Final Four clinch before the end of the season, but I think it's going to be up through the last game of the season to decide who's going to get that, you know, the seeding of everything. And that's going to make for – it's already getting intense because these teams are just sick of playing the same teams over and over again. It's going to get even more intense that last week of the season. A lot of these other divisions are kind of going to let up because you got teams – I feel like by the last week of the season, Toronto's going to have the one seed in the North wrapped up and Colorado kind of pulling away from Vegas, but I'm never going to count Vegas out just because I know how good they are. But that's the one division where I think we're going to be intrigued all the way down to the final game because the final game may decide who gets home ice. And with everything starting to open back up again, home ice advantage suddenly becomes very important. So what we thought wasn't going to be a huge deal is a very big deal now. And that's, you know, it's, the season for what it's been, I, I'm very happy that we've had it, and I think that it's been great, a couple hiccups here and there, but the season that we've had, this is going to be an exciting finish, and there's no, I, I said it all the time with the when we came back with the bubble for the NBA and the NHL, even the NCAA football season, there's no asterisks on this championship saying that it was easier to win because of the circumstances if anything it was probably more difficult because you had more things to worry about off the field than off the field or the ice or the court than just you know getting getting a game plan in so these teams hats off to all of them and hats off to the nhl for putting on a very intense season and i can't wait for playoff hockey i'm i'm ready to just fast forward to the end of the season and let's go ahead and start the Stanley Cup playoffs because uh, I need something to watch during the day at work, and and that would be one thing that I could do. That um, yeah, as soon as
1: the Hawks get over the get past the Predators for the fourth spot, then we could fast forward. Okay, not not yet, not yet.
0: All right, all right. I'll I'll allow that since you gave the Avalanche the nod as probably the best Cup contender. So uh, we get the Blackhawks in over the Predators, and then we can start the playoffs. Uh, I think that's going to do it. We, we talked about a lot, a lot lot of time spent on the trade deadline and the impact that's going to have. I thank you again for coming on will and, and give the people one more time where they can find you elsewhere outside of this show on the unhinged sports network and beyond.
1: Well, again, thank you, Jimmy, for having me on again, a great discussion. Happy to be here. Yes. Again, for, my show, Beyond the Press Box, with my good friends, Zach Kyleman, Cody Emerson, and Yash Petit. Beyond the Press Box, you could hear our debut episodes, weekly debut episodes, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Wednesdays. Of course, we're on at different times throughout the week during the day. Uh, you could follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Press 2. You can listen to the show in other ways uh, on anchor.fm, Apple. Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Casts—literally anywhere you can find a podcast, the odds are you're going to be able to find Beyond the Press Box. And same with YouTube my now personal, too, right? Yes, and we're on YouTube. Thanks. It would help if I would promote our most recent platform, which, if you want to see our lovely ugly mugs, um, we are on YouTube again. Literally, just look up Beyond the Press Box. We have the red and black and white logo. You'll see it there. It's awesome. Uh, like and subscribe to wherever you listen to the podcast or of course subscribe to the youtube page and, and stay up to date uh, with everything there i know we have bigger plans later this year maybe do some live streaming through twitch and things like that so we're slowly slowly building up and then lastly my personal podcast for all chicago sports windy city sports talk you can also find that on anchor.fm apple google podcast spotify breaker literally just go on Google and search beyond the press box or windy city sports talk, and you will uh, find stuff there. And sometimes I do a cool unique podcast too. I have connections with uh, people to talk about um, virtual reality and in, in sports and how co- different virtual reality companies are trying to get a uh, VR experience and for athletes and, and players and coaches too. So I like to throw in a couple of uh, unique topics and, and discussions and interviews when I can too. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Be sure to tune in to any of my personal content or, again, the Beyond the Press box stuff.
0: Sounds great. I, I really enjoy what you guys have going with Beyond the Press Box, and uh, I'm not a Chicago sports fan. I, I might be the anti-Chicago sports fan, so I haven't checked out your other podcasts. But if you're on listening on the Unhinged Sports Network, you're obviously a sports fanatic, and you can never get enough sports talk. So be sure to check out Will's shows. Uh, for myself, The Far End of the Bench. We are every Wednesday. Our premiere on the Unhinged Sports Network, 1 p.m. Eastern time, right after Beyond the Press Box. Uh, myself, Nico myself and my co-host Nico Uh, we're based out of Denver so we do talk a lot about the Avalanche and the Nuggets but we do pay attention to all other kinds of sports we just talked about the Masters and we had our first F-E-O-T-B Invitational we're not golfers Uh, I'm just going to put that out there now but it was a lot of fun Um, and you can also find that show anywhere you can get podcasts we put clips on our YouTube channel Uh, and we just put our highlights from our golf outing on our youtube channel as well so be sure to check that out subscribe on youtube subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform leave a rating and a review Uh, we said it on our show if you leave a five-star rating we will read whatever you write in the review so if good bad you know not not on topic at all just leave us a five-star rating and we'll read your review on the podcast Um, and then for this show two for chirping Every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern is when you can catch the premiere on the Unhinged Sports Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Uh, and now we are releasing these exclusive shows onto on-demand platforms as well. And this show, I believe, will be put up Sunday night for on-demand uh, the follow- following the initial premiere. So that's where you can find everything, too, for Tripping-Wise. For the Unhinged Sports Network, follow them on Twitter at Network Unhinged, Instagram at SN. Be sure to check out unhingedsn.com for blogging content as well and that's where you can find our store we got all the different podcasts on the network have a specific shirt and then we also have unhinged sports network merchandise as well but i think that's all the housekeeping notes and everything like that so for this episode of two for chirping for myself jimmy Pilato, and will Hatzel from beyond the press box on the windy city sports talk podcast thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week
1: when the night is cold and lonely
0: this is a dollar
1: bill. Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping no present, I made it a to habit. Toting them pictures and serving them edits. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire the beat. I'm to me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man. I got the plan. I got the shooters, they are with the van. Play with the squad. Get piled like the sand. Piled like a perk. I'm going here. I'm going crazy. I'm here. sticking up for nigga? I'm in the kitchen compressing the bird. Take out the nine and I sell it for 30 straight to